Hi everyone, welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Well, it's a thrill to be with you today as we continue um, our kind of month-long celebration of Christmas. Glad that you are here. Glad you're tuned in online, making this a part of your weekend. A couple things I need to let you know about. Uh, we got some great opportunities uh, to, uh, to serve our community coming up this week. Uh, want to be sure that you know about that. The first happens on Wednesday night of this week is our uh, night of each month. On the second Wednesday of the month, we now uh, serve over at the Be- Blessings in the Backpack program. Uh, packing bags. These go home with, with uh, areas school students on the weekends to help with food insecurity. And so we've uh, partnered with them, and on the second Wednesday of each month, we do that. So this Wednesday night is that, is that time, uh, the December 13th. Uh, that happens from 6 to 7. Uh, the Blessings in the Backpack Warehouse is kind of behind the What's Cooking Cafe over there on Ashwood Lane, that part of town. Uh, you can find it there. A very small sign on the door, but you'll see the cars, and you can find us. So join us uh, 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. Again, that happens every month on the second Wednesday of the month. So be sure you're there to be a part of that this week. I'm also out in the atrium as you leave today. Uh, back in the corner by the offices, we have a couple of Christmas trees set up with some gift tags on it. Uh, we've done this for several years now. We've adopted a couple of families uh, through our local school system. Uh, some families that need some help with Christmas. And so uh, on those uh, trees, there are some gift tags. Uh, most of those got taken last week, but there are like 10, 14, something like that left out there. Uh, that we'd love for you to pick one of those up, take that with you, find that gift, and bring that back. Uh, it'll even tell you on the tag if you need to wrap it or not. Uh, bring that back next week so we can get those to the school, so those go uh, to the families that need those before Christmas uh, before Christmas break starts uh, the week after that. So I uh, would love uh, love you to participate and be a part of that as well. And also want to remind you, uh, those of you who are signed up to sing in our worship choir, uh, our worship choir will be helping lead our time of worship next Sunday morning. And so uh, those of you who are part of that, uh, Josie's going to have a practice tonight at 5, so if you can make it for that, great. If not, uh, come anyway next Sunday and plan to sing and help us lead worship. And our kids choir that, uh, that Josie's talking about the last couple weeks. Uh, that is going to happen. Those kids are going to sing on Christmas Eve, and if your kid did not get signed up and would still like to participate, see Josie this morning. Uh, she'll get the music to you and let you know what time uh, your kids need to be where to participate in that uh, kids choir for Christmas Eve. Speaking of Christmas Eve, uh, that's two weeks um, from today, as a matter of fact. Uh, so we're going to celebrate our Christmas Eve services that Sunday uh, twice. Uh, 10 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock on that evening. Both of those services will be identical, so pick the one that works best for your family. Come and worship with us at 10 or come back at 6. Uh, those uh, will be family services, so our families, uh, children will be with moms and dads as a part of that service. Uh, so hope that you are making plans to be here either at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve as we uh, celebrate uh, uh, celebrate and worship and sing together at the candles and it's just a beautiful night. I know that's an important moment for a lot of you and your, your traditions, your celebrations of Christmas. So we'll see you here on Christmas Eve. Well, this, this December, we've been in a series of sermons that I'm calling The Colors of Christmas. And this series is just kind of designed as a way to help us understand and remember uh, what the big deal is about Jesus coming anyway. Why is Christmas such a big deal? And one of those colors that you see a lot of at Christmas time is green. Yes, I'm even wearing a green shirt today. It's called Synergy. It all works together. And, and I think if the lights work right, um, I'm going to turn into a zombie on the, on the telecast. Uh, like I did last week, I was Papa Smurf with the blue lights. This week, I'm going to be a zombie. So one of the colors you see a lot at Christmas time is 
is green. Green garland, green Christmas trees, green candles, green Christmas lights, green frosted cookies. Uh, retailers and stores, they're hoping to make a lot of green this Christmas season. Last week, I played Elvis for you. Thought it'd be kind of fun to have a little music for Christmas. So I tried to think of a song about the color green. I thought of a couple of, I thought pretty good options. First, I thought of Kermit the Frog. It's not easy being green, but that's kind of a depressing song. So we're not going to do that one. Uh, and back in the 70s, some of you will remember this. Uh, there was a song that said something about a green-eyed lady, lovely lady. And then I read the rest of the words. I'm like, we can't sing that in church. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, there's a great Christmas song, a Christmas hymn called Green Sleeves. It's beautiful, really hard for most of us to sing. So we're going to skip that and we'll let Josie take care of the music later. All right. So when we think of the color green, we think of new. And what I want you to think about when we think of the color green this year at Christmas is new. New growth, new possibilities. We are into new. That's why Americans will spend over a trillion dollars, that's a T, trillion dollars on Christmas this year. Because little kids and big kids like to get new stuff. We get excited about opening Christmas gifts because we know we're going to get something new. Everybody loves stuff that's new. But you know this better than I do. Eventually, all new things lose their luster. I bet you loved your new iPhone 11 when you first got it because it was new. But now that that new iPhone 15 with titanium's out, that's all you want, right? You want something new. Maybe you saw earlier this year some some dude won over a billion dollars in the Powerball jackpot. Over a billion dollars. Now, I know, because I know you. If you won that kind of money in the lottery, I know you, of course, of course you would honor God with the first 10% and tie that, 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 that winnings. I know you would do that. But after that, I'm pretty confident in saying every single one of you would go out and buy something new. I'm sure this guy who won over a billion dollars went out and bought something new. I think we all would. We'd all go out, buy something brand new, a new house, a new car, a new boat, new clothes. Some of you might even go to a plastic surgeon and buy a whole new you. We would get something new. And honestly, we would all do that. Well, going into this Christmas season, I think that's how a lot of people are feeling. At least a lot of the people I know. They feel like they need something new, a new me a new beginning. Well, the good news at Christmas time is that our God is a God of new. The Bible is full of this idea of new. The Bible talks about a new song. The Bible talks about new birth, a new creation, a new command, a new hope, a new covenant, a new wine, new wineskins. A new heaven and a new earth. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Revelation 21, Behold, I am making, say this with me, all things new. But the truth of the matter is, instead of feeling like you're full of new life, instead of feeling we're full of new growth or new hope going into this Christmas season, I'm afraid a lot of us feel like this. An old, dead stump. In one way or another, in some area of your life, it just feels like you're an old, dead stump. And you think there's never going to be any new life coming out of there again. The picture is bleak. 
it may not even feel like there's a glimmer of hope right now. Look at the divisive spirit in our country where people with all sorts of different opposing views have forgotten how to speak kindly to each other. We know we need something new. We look at terrorism and violence and wars and international tensions that leave us feeling bleak and hopeless, and we pray for something new. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace, we prayed just a minute ago. Maybe it's in your marriage. Or maybe you thought you'd be married by now or thought you'd have that engagement ring by, by Christmas time and you long for something new. Maybe for you, it's the person you see when you look in the mirror that has you feeling like lifeless, dead on the inside. You heard about the guy who was standing in front of the mirror. He's all depressed by what he sees. He's getting old. The hair's going. He's just, just kind of feeling down about himself. So he says to his wife, look at me. What happened? I'm old, I'm fat, I'm ugly. Honey, honestly, I, I could use some encouragement right now. She goes, oh, it looks like your eyes are still working great. Oh, oh. And it's not just physical. The truth is, when some of us look in the mirror, we see our past. We see our mistakes, our bad choices, the, the messiness of life and we let that define who we are and we feel dead inside like an old dead stump perhaps the thing that has you feeling dead inside are family issues family problems it's easy to drive around and look at Christmas lights right now and see other people's homes and all their beautiful Christmas decorations and think to ourselves oh they're having the perfect Christmas inside that house beautiful stressless, perfect Christmas. I bet they aren't fighting about gifts. I bet they aren't worried about money. I bet they're not worried about not having a job next year. Maybe it's wounds from your family of origin that you still carry with you and you carry those into the Christmas season, have you feeling dead inside. Maybe it was an alcoholic parent or a raging or an abusive or absent parent. For others, it's addiction prescription medication, maybe it's alcohol, fentanyl, pornography. And every time you're about to break free, you look in the mirror and you see the addict. And you think, I'm never getting out of this. And you feel dead inside like this old dead stump. Maybe for you, it's bitterness. Someone hurt you. Someone betrayed you, someone let you down, trashed you, abandoned you, terminated you. And every time you look in the mirror, you see what they did to you and you feel dead inside. And you hate them. You see this stump here. This stump represents people who have given up hope. Feel lifeless, hopeless. And that's pretty much where God's people found themselves 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Those people, God's people, they were a lot like us. On the one hand, they wanted to walk with God. They wanted to, to follow God, but yet they got impatient with God. And so sometimes they would even give up on God. God had promised them that he would, he would send a Messiah. He would bring this Messiah would bring hope and would bring life to them and he would make all things new. 
And when they read those promises and when they hear from the prophets that that's what God is going to do, they are filled with hope. And it's awesome. We can't wait. We will wait for him. But they got impatient. You know, like I do sometimes. Sometimes we get tired of waiting for God to do what we think he should do. We get tired of waiting for God to do when we think he should do it. The prophets had said that the Messiah would come from the house and the line, the lineage of David. But when they looked at David's family tree, they saw nothing but an old dead stump. There was nothing growing out of that family tree. There ain't nothing coming out of this old dead stump. There's no green. There's no hope. There's no life. There's no new. And it's to people like this that God gave this word in Isaiah 11. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. I want you to notice this promise right here. 700 years before Jesus, 700 years before, you may feel like an old dead stump inside right now, but there is a branch. A branch. I want you to notice this. I didn't do this. This is I just copied and pasted right out of the Bible app. See the word branch? There's a capital B there for a reason that capital B branch with a capital B that branch will come to bring new life and bear fruit and the spirit will rest on him if you got your bible out draw a circle around the word branch and draw an arrow right to the word him we're talking about the same person that branch is him the spirit of the lord will rest on that branch so here's what i'm praying for you this christmas Here's what I'm hoping that you can grab a hold of today and take home with you. God brings new life out of old dead stumps in his timing and through his son. God brings new life out of old dead stumps in his timing through his son. I think the hardest part of this whole process is just waiting on God's timing. I've been a follower of Jesus for a lot of years now. And I'm just going to tell you, from my experience, from my life, 99 times out of 100, God's timing is different than my timing. Anybody else notice that? <laughs> Galatians 4 says, this is one of my favorite Christmas verses. Galatians 4 says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. In other words, when the time was just right, that's when God sent his son. This literally means, and I love this, we, we, we don't see this in English the way you would in Greek, um, but, the, but the word there, this, this idea that when the time had fully come, the word actually refers to pregnancy. <laughs> which is very perfect for when we talk about a son, right? So that's, there's a nice little, little literary thing goes on there. So literally what we're looking at when we look at this verse in English, what, how we should read it is something like, when the time was fully pregnant, God sent his son to be born of, into the world. When the time was, was perfectly pregnant, 
That's when Jesus came. The time had to be right, when the time was fully pregnant. I love that imagery. My wife Megan and I, we have two children. The whole pregnancy thing, the whole, it's a process, right? You, you, most of you know what that's like. I gotta be honest with you, even all these years later, there's still a lot more to that than I ever imagined. I thought, oh good, she's pregnant, my job here's done. I'm just gonna enjoy the next nine months until the baby shows up. No, that's not how it works. My expectations were way, way off. There's a lot of things that have to be done during those nine months. Books to read, things to learn, stuff to buy, more stuff to buy, some more stuff to buy, cribs to assemble, some more stuff to buy, and the names to pick out. There's all kinds of stuff that has to be done during those nine months. There's just so much to get done. Honestly, having done it twice now, it seems to me like the gestation period of an elephant would be more helpful for new parents getting ready for the baby to come. It takes, a, it takes an elephant 22 months to get the baby ready to be born. 20, I could have used 22 months from the time we knew we were pregnant to get ready to be born. By the way, my wife did not think that was a good idea. <laughs> By the way, guys, just a tip here. I've heard from a friend, <laughs> as a general rule, it is never a good idea to mention the gestation period of an elephant when your wife is pregnant. I still have the concussion. All right, so... You just know, you just know for God's people, it must have felt like it was taking forever for the Messiah to come. Or maybe they began to think that he would never come. Just like it oftentimes seems in my life, and I assume it seems in your life, it just seems like God is running late. There's so much to do. God couldn't send his son to be born of a woman until the time had fully come, until the time was fully pregnant. Now, I want you to stick with me for a minute. I'm going to go on a little journey, uh, but I, I want you to come with me on this. I want to walk you through some history. I want to walk you through some of the important events of the world for the timing to be perfect for this baby in Bethlehem to be born. I don't know if you knew this or not, but this is important that we know this. So, so, so track with me for a minute. Around 350 years before Jesus was born, there was a guy by the name of Alexander the Great. You've probably heard of him. Alexander the Great begins to rule Greece and Persia. And within about 12 years, the time he began to rule, again, this is 350 years before Jesus, Alexander the Great conquers the entire known world. Why does that matter? <laughs> well, let me tell you. For the very first time in history, there was a common language. So Jesus would be born in a time when there isn't a language barrier. It was said in those days that everybody spoke a little bit of Greek. Just like today, all over the world, everybody speaks a little bit of English, especially here in America. We speak just a little bit of the English. So the world, the world was prepared. So that the, was being prepared so that the good news of Jesus could quickly go viral because there wasn't a language barrier. That's 350 years before. Around 280 years before the time that Jesus was born, the Hebrew scriptures, the part that you and I call the Old Testament now, the Hebrew scripture was translated into Greek for the very first time, about 280 years before the time of Christ. Because everyone could speak Greek. Everyone could speak a little Greek. This was the first time in the history of the world 
the first time that people outside of the Jewish faith were able to read about the one true God and about the promise of his Messiah. Do you see how God was preparing the world for the birth to be at just the right time? Let's go on. 63 years before Jesus was born, 63 years, the Romans take over. And the Romans begin ruling the world. And at about 35 years before the time of Jesus, for the first time in history, we begin what, what becomes about a 200-year period of world peace which created just the right environment for Jesus to be born. Caesar Augustus was the ruler. You know his name from the Christmas story in Luke 2. And because of the Romans and their engineering, because the world was in this time of peace, the world opened up. And roads were built, and travel systems flourished around the world so that people could travel freely, speaking a language that they all understood in a time of peace. Just before, just before Jesus was born, there was something known as the Diaspora, where Jewish people were displaced and scattered all over the Roman world. This was not something they were excited about. This was not a good thing for them. But God allowed this to happen so that the news of a Savior could be quickly spread. Philosophically. Philosophically, it was the right time for Jesus to come. Because of the influence of Greek philosophers like Aristotle and Socrates and Plato, people are asking all kinds of philosophical questions about life. And God is preparing the world for the moment that the answer to those questions would be born in Bethlehem. And also, most importantly, when Jesus was born, it was the right time prophetically for prophecies to be fulfilled. It probably seemed to Joseph and Mary like the absolute worst timing when we read in Luke chapter 2 that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken, and now Mary and Joseph, they're going to have to travel to Bethlehem to register for the census. She's nine months pregnant. You talk about bad timing, but it was God's timing. It was God's plan because 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah in Micah 5.2 said that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. The same town that Joseph has to travel to with his nine-month pregnant fiance Mary. Isaiah chapter 7 tells us that Jesus was going to be born of a virgin. There are some 300 prophecies in the Old Testament made hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born that could only be fulfilled at one specific time in history. When the time had fully come, when the time was fully pregnant. You see, God's timing is different than our timing. And when the time had fully come, at the time when the world was united in one common language, at the time that God's word was translated into that common language so that everyone could understand it, at a time of world peace, 
at a time when the message could travel quickly and freely, at a time when God's people would be distributed throughout the world, at a time when people were asking the big questions about the meaning of life, that's the time that God sent his son, born of a woman, born to bring answers, born to bring hope, born to bring new life to people that felt like old, dead stumps. Some of you just need to hang on right now in this season of deadness because I am telling you that God brings new life out of old, dead stumps in his timing through his son. You ever see a stump? that looks like this. Show me that picture, Lawrence. It looks like his days of life were over, but then that happens. Remember that verse from Isaiah that we read a few minutes ago? 700 years before Jesus was born, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. 2,000 years ago in a barn in Bethlehem, a shoot from the stump of David's family was born and divinity leaped into humanity. Royalty was wrapped in rags. Majesty was laid in a manger. Holiness in the filth of sheep and manure and straw. The creator of the universe now depended upon a young girl and a sleepy carpenter. I heard about a children's program at a church recently. You know, one of those programs, the little kids, they get all dressed up in the bathrobes and stuff and act out the Christmas story. And one little boy got the part of the innkeeper. He was going to be the innkeeper in the Christmas pageant, but he, he wasn't very happy about it because he had tried out for the, the part of Joseph, and he didn't get the part of Joseph, so he was kind of, kind of salty about the fact that he was going to have to be the innkeeper. So he decided that when Joseph and Mary would show up at the inn, he was going to just ruin the whole play because he was mad about it. So Joseph swung the door open to the inn, and Joseph said, Do you have any rooms? And this little salty little boy, the innkeeper, said, We have lots of rooms. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> well, the little guy playing Joseph, he was a pretty quick thinker, and he sticks his head in the door and says, there is no way I would take my wife to a dump like this. Come on, Mary, we're going to the barn. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, this shoot out of a stump of David was born in Bethlehem of a virgin and he lived a perfect life he started his ministry at the age of 30 when he was baptized by his cousin John the Baptist and the things that happened over the next three years were absolutely amazing he walks on water he calms storms he made the sick well and better yet people that didn't even like church or like religion they liked Jesus because he included the excluded Everyone was welcome. But the religious people of that day, they couldn't handle it. 
They were so focused on religion and doing the religious good works and doing the religious things that they couldn't focus on God's work that was happening in Jesus Christ right in front of them. So they bought off one of his disciples to betray him with a kiss. And he was arrested, he was mocked, he was spat upon, he was beaten. And ultimately they crucified him, nailing him to the cross, and he hung there naked, bleeding for six hours to pay for my sins and yours. And Jesus' final words on the cross were not, I am finished. His last words were, it is finished. He had finished paying for your sins. I want you to remember that the cross was not given to us so we got a decoration for our church building. The cross was not given to us so we'd have something pretty to hang around our necks. The cross wasn't a decoration. The cross was a declaration. The declaration of the love that God has for you. The cross declares that sin and death have been paid for and we can be made brand new. So they take him off the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb, which I love that part of the story because they knew they weren't going to need that tomb long. And three days later, when the stone rolled away, there was an angel there saying, he is not here, he has risen. And the reason the stone was rolled away was so we could be changed, so that we could be made into something brand new. 2 Corinthians 5 is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Paul says this in verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I want you to read this verse out loud with me. Would you do that with me? Except I want you to do me a favor. When we get to the part where it says anyone, I want you to say your name instead. Can you do that? Read this out loud with me. Just substitute the word anyone with your name. Let's read it out loud. Therefore, if, say your name, is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That is the greatest victory I could tell you about today is that 2,000 years ago, the same Jesus Christ that was born as this defenseless baby in Bethlehem, fulfilling over 300 prophecies about his birth, three decades later, died on a cross, and three days later, rose from a grave to make you into something brand new. And 2,000 years later, he is still bringing life to that which was dead. Jesus didn't come to make you weird. He came to make you new. He makes you into a new creation. When you feel hopeless, he makes you into a new creation. When you are discouraged, he makes you into a new creation. When everyone else has given up on you, he makes you into a new creation. When you can't forgive yourself, he makes you into a new creation. When you feel like everybody wants to keep you down, he makes you into a new creation. When your health is failing, he makes you into a new creation. When your heart is broken, he makes you into a new creation. 
Listen to me, your past, your past does not determine your identity. Your history does not define your destiny. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So let me say it one more time. God brings new life out of old dead stumps in his timing through his son. So every time you see green this Christmas, let that color be a reminder from God himself of the new life that he has for you. Every decorated green tree, every green string of garland, every frosted green cookie, every green candle, every green twinkling light, every green elf costume, let that green remind you that God makes new creations. The old is gone. The new has come. Let me pray for you. If our communion team will take your places, please. Bow your heads with me. Some of you, maybe, maybe many of you, you know what it's like to feel dead inside, like that old dead stump. And that's where you are right now. That's where you've been in 2023, and it's, it's time. The time has come for something new. So God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in this room and watching this broadcast right now that are in a season of wait. And while they wait, I pray that you would fill them with new. New hope, new life, new courage, new faith, new conviction. Give them victory in your time and through your son. You sent your only son into the world at just the right time. The world had been waiting a long, long time. But God, we are so grateful for you sending Jesus to us. I pray that we would receive him so that we could be made new in whatever way we need to be made new today. Help us turn from our old ways and open up our hearts and find our life and find our hope and find our peace and find our rest in you. We pray in the name of the one who makes all things new.